What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. And today I have special guest Kara Collier on the line. She is with NutriSense. NutriSense is the continuous glucose monitor company that I've been uh, repping here lately. I have one in my arm right now. I don't want this to sound like a sponsored podcast whatsoever because it's not a sponsored podcast. They sent me one. I've been using it. I've been testing it out. They hooked me up with a code. I don't get any kickback on that code. All the savings go to you. And I'm pretty sure the code is Keto Savage. I'll put the description in there if you if I need to clarify that. But I am happy to have them on the podcast and talk about their company because I love what they're doing and why. They're marketing this towards people that are trying to take a more proactive approach to their health, monitoring their numbers so they can know what their glucose is and then adjust accordingly. I've been a huge advocate of tracking glucose, especially as it relates to my competition prep, my reverse diet, certain foods I've experimented with, just all kinds of information. I'm a data junkie, so this has just been fun for me. So if you're interested in glucose, if you're interested in CGMs, if you're interested in biohacking and data, definitely give this podcast a listen. Hope you enjoy. Without further ado, Kara Collier. Live, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully well. So, I am wearing a NutriSense monitor as we record this podcast. That's got to stand for something, right? That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, I want to just dive into glucose. I feel like that is something that obviously uh, a lot of people have an interest, especially as it relates to the ketogenic diet. But before I dive into that, I'd love to kind of hear what got you interested in the space, what got you working with NutriSense, like what brought you here in the first place. Yeah, so I've been interested in nutrition and health and how the body works for as long as I can remember. So I became a registered dietitian and I started my career in a pretty traditional way. Mm -hmm. I started in the hospitals um, dealing with very sick people. So I actually spent most of my time in an ICU uh, with critically ill patients and I became very frustrated with that experience. Um, I was seeing people way too late. So 20, 30 years probably before, after I should have been seeing them. So people are coming into the ICU with totally uncontrolled diabetes and we're needing to amputate their legs or start them on dialysis. These major problems and so much suffering that was now like a little bit too late. So me coming in and talking to them as a dietitian about lifestyle changes when they've been you know, doing these habits for 50, 60 years at this point, was a really frustrating experience. Um, I kind of remember my exact moment where I gave up with the hospital system. I had been fighting for months to remove sodas from the patient's trays. So they were giving them these little four ounce sodas, both at lunch and dinner on everyone's tray. And I thought it was absolutely insane. We're trying to heal people and we're giving them foods that are only gonna make the problem worse. So I was talking to everyone I, that would listen to me, board of directors, chief medical officer, everyone in the nutrition department, and nobody cared. It was like talking to a wall. So that was kind of the final straw. And I realized that I really couldn't make a meaningful difference in the way that I wanted to within the traditional system. So sort of jump shift from there, went to a nutrition software startup from there and learned a lot of interesting things about how to make a startup work, software, technology. But the whole time I was there, I was really still thinking about my experience in the hospital. 
it was really bothering me how much suffering I was seeing and how little impact I was able to make. So I became kind of obsessed with this topic and really dove deep into the research about preventative health, preventive and kind of preventative medicine, metabolism. And after really diving deep into this, I, it, all things started to point towards glucose. So I was trying to find an answer to this problem where it was something that, you know, if we had one metric we're going to pay attention to, that's going to have the biggest ripple effect on people, it came down to glucose. And then there's technology available, like I'm sure we'll get into the technology with continuous glucose monitors, that makes it actually really easy to measure this metric. So there's a lot of interesting metrics the body can tell us that aren't easy to measure and the technology is just not there. So glucose was sort of this sweet spot and it just hit me that this was the answer to the problem that I was looking for. So I dove deep into that, um, did a ton of like N of one testing on myself, got a glucometer, was pricking my finger all the time, you know, mapping it out on Excel, doing my own charts and graphs and figuring out what's going on. And that's when I started to learn about the continuous glucose monitor, use that instead, way easier, no longer having to prick your finger all the time. And I had all these insights from my own body and my own diet that even as a dietitian who had been studying this stuff for years now, I learned new things about myself that I, to this day, still do because of those original insights I had with my first CGM. So I was pretty hooked at that moment. And then that's when I jumped ship again and started NutriSense with two other guys. So I'm the director of nutrition there and co-founder. And what we're doing is essentially trying to solve that problem I was seeing in the hospital. So we're using these continuous glucose monitors on non-diabetics specifically for the goal of preventative health to stop all those problems I was seeing when it was way too late. So we're trying to intervene early on as opposed to kind of at the end of the road, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love it. I, I've talked to several people that have come from traditional medical background and uh, like Nurse Cindy comes to mind because she, uh, she speaks. Are you, are you familiar with her? Have you talked with her at all? Yeah. I've heard some of her work. She's super interesting. She's incredibly passionate, and she talks, and she, I mean, she was basically working, uh, you know, right alongside these patients that, that were having to get these amputations. And when you see that, and you see, like, the personal, just the personal aspect of it, like, these are, these are real people that are cutting their life short, or they're cutting the the zeal for life short because they, they can't go for a walk with their grandkids anymore because they have to have an amputation as a result of improper nutrition throughout the years of their life compounded over and over. And when you see that and you recognize that that doesn't have to be that way, it just breaks your heart. And like she's seen it so many times firsthand that that's why she's so motivated and passionate about the ketogenic diet. Um, so it's cool. I mean, that's obviously not cool. That has happened to people and happened to so many people, but it's it's inspiring to see how something so pronounced like that can in, inspire people to want to wanna be proactive instead of reactive because being proactive and fixing that on the front end is the only thing that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a heartbreaking experience to see that day in and day out. And this is happening all across America. So it's not just the people I'm seeing and knowing how many people out there are experiencing this is so frustrating. And proactive over reactive is a great way to put it because 
hospital system and, and how we take care of people now is the total opposite. It's really great if you broke your arm and you can come into the hospital, they'll take care of you. But it's really bad if you have three chronic conditions on top of each other and you really need a holistic view and holistic treatment. That's not how it's designed, honestly. So it's frustrating, um, but yeah, it, it's inspiring to then see that there are so many other people also doing great things after experiencing that. Totally. Totally. Why do you feel like the, I mean, I would think like in a, in a diabetic ward, especially, they would be a little bit more inclined to, to see the direct implications of having soft drinks in their, their you know, day-to-day food. Is that just not even on their radar, even to this day? Yeah, even to this day, um, it's very frustrating. I think that because it's a four ounce can and it's, it's, you know, small that they're like, that's portion control. We're showing them that they can have a little bit and it's okay. So really like a diabetic friendly meal in the hospital is just about counting carbs and it does not matter the quality of carbs. So it's, you know, you could put a white roll and some fruit cocktail and a tiny soda on someone's plate. And because it's a certain amount of carbohydrates, they say it's carb controlled and they just dose the insulin to match that. So it's really like putting a bandaid on top of the problem and not actually addressing any sort of root cause. And so people, and then, you know, patients will be like, well, I see that this is a diabetic friendly meal. If, if I just kind of try to follow these meals when I'm out of the hospital and at home, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? So they're looking at this and thinking that that's the example they're supposed to be following. And you're like, no, absolutely not. Don't listen to anything we're doing in here. And so you're trying to reverse all that, which is a whole nother host of problems. But yeah, it's honestly just mind boggling how people can put so much of an emphasis on, you know, what's the proper dosage of insulin given this amount of carbs rather than just removing the carbs in its entirety. Yeah. And then yeah. vastly minimizing the insulin necessary. I mean, it's uh, I've had several clients over the years that are both type 1 and type 2 diabetic. And it's just, it's amazing to see how the quality of their life, simply from an insulin cost standpoint, not even taking into consideration, you know, just the, the freedom they get, but just simply from the cost standpoint mm-hmm. of not having to, to inject near as much insulin. I mean, I think that alone should be liberating enough and motivation enough to to get control of the nutrition. Yeah, it's expensive and it's not very fun. You literally have to inject yourself with a needle to give yourself insulin. Like that is not a fun process. So I'll I'll see people who, you know, they come to the hospital because they're extremely diabetic and they're just realizing it for the first time. And the only thing someone tells them is here, this is the amount of insulin you need to take and you're good to go. And nobody explains kind of what's happening. And so I don't think people even see a different way out sometimes. So, but yeah, the insulin is, is a major problem. We're literally putting a bandaid on top of a symptom as opposed to treating the actual root cause. Well, I really like the idea of, of getting people that do not have diabetes, do not need insulin, getting them hooked up with the CGM so they can start gathering that data. Do you want to dive in a little bit on, uh, you know, what a CGM, in case somebody isn't familiar with what a continuous glucose monitor is, you can kind of compare that to just a standard prick your finger, get that single uh, point in time reading and what the benefit is to having a CGM? Yes, definitely. So the glucometers or the finger stick meters that a lot of people use, like you said, you're, you're pricking your finger and you're seeing a glucose value right then, right there, it's just a Snapchat in time. So that's helpful, but it only really gives us a little bit of information. 
So a continuous glucose monitor is a device. Um, it's a little bit bigger than a quarter and it goes on the back of your arm near the tricep. And it's a medical device technically, well, at least the United States considers it a medical device. So you do need a prescription to get it. And it's usually used for diabetics, but you know, we're flipping the switch and trying to use it for non-diabetics because we think it has all this benefit for preventive health. But what it does is you just put it on the back of your arm and there's a tiny little needle for insertion, but it doesn't, the needle doesn't stay in your body. So it's much less painful than sticking your finger and there's no blood involved. And then you just use your phone to scan the CGM and then you can see your glucose data 24 seven on your phone. So it stays for 14 days. You can shower with it. You can work out with it. You can scan over layers of clothes. So it's like being able to see your glucose without actually having to draw the blood, which is a benefit in and of itself is that it's just much more convenient. But the big benefit is that you're seeing your data 24 seven versus just that Snapchat in time. So a lot of people will get like a fasting glucose level from you know their doctor's office and that's helpful, but it's only telling us what's happening when we're fasted. Um, so we're missing what's happening when we're eating, which is a lot of the times, you know, we're not fasted all of the time. So it's really important to see how your body is responding to food. So a continuous glucose monitor gives you all those ups and downs. And what we're seeing in the data is that what's called glycemic variability. So that's the swings in your glucose, how high you're going up, how low you're going down. That variability is actually more predictive of overall health. So your glycemic variability is tied to your cardiovascular risk, your risk for a stroke, heart attack, your risk for diabetes. So that's actually the measure that's most important. But if you're only checking your glucose at random times, you're not seeing those swings. You're missing kind of the nuances in your data, which is actually where the insights lie. So it helps you see the whole picture. And it also tells you kind of your unique responses to food. So just as an example, I have another dietitian on my team and we're very similar in the fact that we're close to the same age. We're both very physically active. We eat similarly and our glucose data is totally different to food. It's like she eats starchy vegetables, like sweet potato, and she barely sees any sort of increase. Starchy vegetables are what spike me the most out of anything. So a sweet potato is like candy to my body. So everybody just has these unique differences for a variety of reasons. And you can see that when you're measuring all the time in response to all the different things you might be eating. Yeah, I feel like if someone's doing a lot of, you know, experimenting with their food, there would be a huge value add with having the CGM because then, you know, if everything else is held constant, they can they can experiment with a different, uh, you know, macronutrient, a different ingredient, see how the body responds. Personally, I'm keeping my foods pretty consistent, so I don't see a whole lot of flux there. But where I find it very beneficial is in my workouts because I can see how much my, you know, blood glucose spikes uh, during the course of a workout and then how quickly that drops off post-training, which I feel like is very valuable information. Yes, yeah, so the glucose is responsive to food, of course, which is a huge factor in monitoring our glucose levels, but I sort of describe it as four pillars that affect our glucose levels, food being one of them, but physical activity exercise is another. So it tells you a lot of insights related to that. And then also like fasting and meal timing. And then the fourth one is stress. So that also includes like poor sleep. So all of those things glucose is affected by. So 
related to the physical activity, this is actually a huge one. So it helps you kind of hone in on your performance, but it also helps a lot of people motivate themselves to work out because you're actually seeing in real time how much of an impact it has on your glucose values. Strength training in particular is especially beneficial because we store our glucose as glycogen in our muscle mass and our liver. So, you know, our liver only has so much storage space, but the more lean muscle mass you have, the more room you have for any incoming glucose to go to. So when people are weightlifting, if they're physically active, then they're really seeing that benefit in their data. And that's super motivating more than, you know, someone just telling them they should go to the gym, they can actually see it in their data. So that's a huge one. Yeah, the the stress is interesting too. I've noticed that, uh, like, I think I was speaking at a conference shortly after putting the CGM in, and I noticed that while I was speaking, I noticed a, a pretty significant bump in the in the blood glucose. So like that'll cause a spike. It's just it's just funny to see what has an impact because I feel like people just you know if they're only getting a single pinprick in time, they just don't have the clarity that they would get if they're registering that data you know day in day out through all the different fluctuations and what they're doing but it's interesting to see how these different day-to-day tasks actually impact you on a you know molecular level yes definitely i would say stress is one of the biggest things i'm, I'm talking about stress every single day with every single person and let's using our product because it's so huge you know our current environment everyone is so stressed out and they're seeing it in their data normally stress is something that's so intangible and hard to quantify so being able to actually see your body's response to stress is really eye-opening for a lot of people so like you said with you had a glucose spike with a presentation that would be an example of a normal healthy stress response right it's this short-term burst you probably you had a little bit of cortisol bump probably some adrenaline and then the body responds by increasing our glucose to kind of fuel the energy needed to deal with the stressor so mm-hmm. this is normal, our normal healthy stress response. What really is a problem is when people's stress response is just turned on all the time, this chronic stress. So if we're always triggering that, the body always thinks it's under attack or needs extra energy, it's, the liver is just creating more glucose and pumping that out, pumping sugar out to deal with the stress. And then we just see high fasting glucose levels all night because people are stressed or ruminating over you know, whatever happens that day and it becomes a serious problem. So stress is a huge one. Um, I, I see it in so many people that it's, it's really something I didn't think I was going to be talking about so much. And it's turned into that. I'm talking about stress more than talking about food half the time. What, what do you see in just on average with regard to like people's sleep patterns and how it impacts the, the blood glucose? Do you see a downward trend or an upward trend? Yeah, sleep is a huge one as well. So that one kind of works bi-directionally that a high glucose levels will affect somebody's quality of sleep. And then also a bad night of sleep will affect glucose values the next day. So it's sort of a form of stress as well. When we get poor sleep, that reduces our insulin sensitivity and it increases our glucose production from the liver again. And so this throws off our whole circadian rhythm. So our insulin works on a circadian rhythm, just like 
our you know melatonin does and so these hormones are thrown out of whack when we're not getting adequate adequate sleep especially that deep sleep seems to be particularly important there's a lot of interesting research where people are still getting eight hours of sleep but they're disrupted sleep and they're making sure that the participants don't get any deep sleep and they'll have way worse glucose control. I think it's like 25% higher glucose values on average if they're getting that interrupted sleep. And it's the same thing if it gets cut short, it's you're having the higher glucose values. And then in, in the reverse form, higher glucose values then affect people sleep that night. So it seems to interrupt uh, the nervous system and cause people to be a little bit more alert and not be able to fall asleep as fast or stay asleep. So it's this thing we're kind of fighting against. It's making sure your glucose levels are in check so you can get good sleep and then making sure you get good sleep so you can keep your glucose levels in check. And what was the, the fourth pillar that you mentioned? You had the nutrition, the, the training, the stress, and what was the fourth one? Um, fasting and meal timing. So that's a big one in that the number one thing I see related to this that is pretty much universal, there's a lot of unique personal differences between people with glucose responses, but almost everyone responds poorly to meals eaten late at night. Our insulin, like I said, works on this circadian rhythm, and we just have a natural decrease in insulin sensitivity late at night. And a lot of people will eat dinner or be snacking, you know, at 10 p.m., 11 p.m., and even if it's a high-quality meal or it's no carbohydrates included in that meal, they'll see a high glucose response from that just because it's eaten late at night. So that's a big one where really just encouraging people to cut off their eating earlier in the evening and just allow the body to rest during the night. And so that's a huge one. And then another one is just the constant eating, constant snacking. So if we're always eating, we're never letting our body have any rest between meals. We're constantly pushing out insulin, constantly increasing glucose. So giving people some, some time between meals is super helpful with monitor, monitoring overall glucose levels as well. I used to be a fan of eating a fairly large meal prior to going to bed because I would get an insulin response and I would fall asleep more quickly. But then I started actually tracking the quality of my sleep, and I noticed that my deep sleep would suffer, my REM sleep would suffer, uh, the quality would be diminished tremendously. So now I just do like an OMAD, basically eat early in the day, and then I have a much higher quality of sleep, even if I don't fall asleep as quickly. Yeah, that's super interesting. So a lot of people will see that as well. Were, were you tracking it with like a aura ring or something? Yeah, this this was before I had the aura ring when I was eating carbs, but now that I'm just been keto, I have the aura ring, and it's it's amazing how even if it's all coming from ketogenic sources, if I have a meal late at night, you know, there's still going to be some glucose and insulin response, even if it's predominantly fat and protein based. Uh, I'll I'll notice a little bit more, you know, lethargy right there after eating, but it's not like I might fall asleep a little bit more quickly, but just I'm up and down the quality of sleep. I don't ever really tap into that deep, deep sleep that I would had I eaten several hours prior to going to bed. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I see often with people. It's very interesting. It's similar to like alcohol. <laughs> you fall yeah. asleep faster, but you don't get, you don't get high quality sleep at all. We're just not hitting those same levels because our body's working on processing the food instead of doing the other things it needs to be doing. Totally. What are, what are some things that are, are probably lesser known 
to have an impact on blood glucose and insulin that that most people listening probably aren't aware of. Like, I know artificial sweeteners are constantly in question. You know, do those have an effect? Because some of those, uh, it's kind of individualized, but some will not register a change in glucose, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not having an effect on blood insulin. Definitely. Yeah, it is a kind of a personalized response with the artificial sweeteners, but I have seen several people, I would say it's about a 50-50 mix of people who will see a glucose bump from artificial sweeteners. And most likely all those people, even the people who are not seeing the glucose increase are seeing probably some sort of insulin increase, which unfortunately there's no technology currently available to measure continuous insulin. If there was, we would definitely be on that. And as soon as it's available, we'll be on that, but that technology doesn't exist right now. So we don't know exactly what's happening to insulin all the time, but there is a lot of research that shows insulin is responding to those artificial sweeteners still. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, just like the cephalic phase of insulin, like you taste something sweet and your bro- your body automatically starts pumping out insulin. Yes. And that also then creates the problem of cravings mm-hmm. and this whole other host of problems. So sometimes for some people, it's it's not a big deal. And maybe they're not really seeing much of a glucose increase and it's not their cravings aren't altered because of it. So it's okay. But if that is something that's causing you then to crave sweet things all the time, you just have to think about that and figure out what works best for you. Because for some people, that's a, that's a real issue and can hold people back from their goals or being able to focus on things other than food because you're constantly craving food. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to eat something, honestly anything, if you have like a good fat or protein source to shunt the the response, the glucose response would be good. But even if you're going to eat something uh, like a sweetened drink, even if you kind of have a dietary fat or protein source with that, that's going to probably be advantageous. Yes, definitely. What are some things that you've noticed just in the the self-experimentation you've done and the data you've gained over the years and with regard to, you know, other lesser known techniques to help, uh, you know, stabilize glucose levels? Like there are any supplements that you found to be beneficial like berberine or, you know, even exogenous ketones? Like have you found any of these to be advantageous? Berberine definitely helps a lot of people. So about 250 milligrams twice a day seems to be that sweet spot. So that's a big one. Um, And also for a lot of people who are having trouble with the chronic stress and they just can't seem to get it under control, ashwagandha seems to really help a lot of those people. Um, A big one, not necessarily in supplements, but is just like sauna and cold therapy. So giving your body kind of that right amount of stressors actually really helps even out glucose levels. So that's a huge one. And one thing that's just super simple, but I think we forget, we focus a lot on exercising and and getting to the gym, but making sure the other 23 hours of your day are not completely sedentary is huge. So making sure that, you know, every hour or so you're getting up and moving around, stretching, walking, getting outside, that's a big one. Um, Go ahead. I've noticed uh, just with my my personal data that if I go for just like a 10, 15 minute, you know, casual walk about 20 minutes post eating, I'll notice a significant improvement in my blood glucose and my ketones will actually bump up considerably as well. 
yeah, walking is huge. Like I feel like before using a continuous glucose monitor, I was like, yeah, it's important to walk, like sure, you know, go ahead and do that. But I didn't place as much emphasis on it as I did strenuous exercise. But now I'm like, yes, walking is huge. It is a big deal. It can really make a huge impact. And especially if you're having a meal that, you know, is maybe a cheat meal or something like from a personal example, one time I was over at a friend's house and um, they were preparing food. And so I didn't really have control over what I was eating and they were making pancakes for breakfast. And I had one medium sized pancake and I could see my glucose. I was checking it on my CGF. I could see it start to rise pretty quickly, way faster than I wanted it to. And it was like 120, 130, 140. And I was like, all right, does everyone want to go on a walk? And so we went on a walk and then right away, it's like, okay, starts going back down and then it stayed down. So it was a way to sort of mitigate that, just going on a walk, just being outside. So it's a lot more powerful than we may think. Definitely, definitely. So let's let's dive into the nuts and bolts of Nutrisense specifically as a company and as the product itself, because this, this is honestly the only CGM I've ever used. Um, I've looked into other options. Y'all reached out to me, and I was just super grateful for the opportunity. But one unique thing about y'all is that you do not require like a standard doctor. Don't like you don't have to fool around with sitting in line for hours and getting a prescription to fill to get a CGM. Yes, we're trying to make it as easy as possible for people to have this information to learn about their bodies. And so right now, let's say you wanted to get a CGM, you would have to convince a doctor to write you a prescription and it is not an easy task. So most doctors won't even write it for type two diabetics. They pretty much just write it for insulin dependent type one diabetics. So they don't see the benefit there for somebody else. So you'd have to find somebody who is willing to do that. So instead, we have physicians on our staff who are writing the prescriptions for you. So we take care of all of that hassle for you and we send you the continuous glucose monitors to your door so you never have to go see a doctor, you never have to go to a pharmacy or deal with it. And so, because they last 14 days, we send you two for the month and then we have our own app, our own software that helps you analyze the information. So like I said, to get the data from your body on the sensor onto your phone, you just scan it with your phone. We use the NFC and then you can see your, all of your information on a graph and it shows you exactly what's happening. So within the software, then you can track your meals against it. You can track your exercise. We pull data from HealthKit that shows your, you know, your Apple Watch information, your Aura Ring information, so you can see your sleep and your stress. And then we can correlate those factors and start to see what's going on and where you need to improve. And then the third tenet of what we offer is this one-on-one -on -one chat with a dietitian within the app itself. So there's a lot of wearables these days and a lot of information out there. And we want to make sure that it's not just a bunch of data that you don't know what to do with. So our bodies are pretty complex and it's not always super intuitive what's going on. So we think having that dietitian there is super important to explain to people what's happening in their glucose data. What's the one thing you could do, the one change you could make that would make the biggest improvement and kind of walk people through that. So for some people, it's just prompting things to experiment with, you know, the biohackers that are just interested in learning as much as possible about themselves. And for some people, it's actually creating 
a plan to improve their data if it's much higher than we want it to be. Yeah, totally. I feel like, I mean, honestly, I I put more emphasis in what my blood glucose is doing throughout the course of a day than my ketones. And I, I feel like I get more insight from that and having the CGMs made doing that much easier. And not going to lie, when I, when I when I opened up this package and I saw the size of that needle, I was like, man, that thing's going to hurt. <laughs> and I stuck it in, and it was totally pain-free. The app worked flawless first round. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty user-friendly. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. I was definitely intimidated as well. It does look scary. But I compared to, like, an easy button where it's yeah. <laughs> push the button, and it's in your arm, and you're like, oh, that's it? It's, it's all good. So it's not nearly as scary as it looks, but... You could just do it at home. Like at first I was like, wait, do I need like a doctor to insert this? But <laughs> yeah, it was pretty pain-free. Now, the one thing that I did have to adjust on mine, um, and maybe you can shed some light on this, is I noticed that it was trending higher by about 20 points than what my uh, glucometer was. But mm-hmm. somebody pointed out that I can I can change what that, that baseline threshold is set at. Do you have any recommendations as far as should I – base that equally off of what my my glucometer is showing or should I kind of titrate that up or down based off of the numbers or what, what's your suggestion there? Yeah, so both the CGM and all the glucometers out there are allowed by FDA to have up to a 15% variation from what you might receive at a physician's office. So we don't make the devices ourselves; We get them from Abbott, Freestyle Libres. Mm-hmm. And so there is that variation, but the problem is that there also might be variation within the glucometers too. And so you are we do allow that uh, forced calibration within the app so that you can get it closer to that value. And so what we recommend is just comparing it from a fasting value at, in once in the morning at the beginning of your sensor and just comparing it once as opposed to you know checking it every day and calibrating it every single day. You could do that. But that's a lot of work and unnecessary pricking of your finger. What's really insightful about the CGM is the trends. So that's what we really want people to focus on the most because that's telling you, you know, what's happening after you're eating and what's happening while you're sleeping as opposed to like a very exact number. But we do allow that forced calibration to get as close to that as we can. If you recently had a fasting glucose level from a physician's office, you can use that to titrate it as well does that make sense yeah totally i just i looked at my glucometer and i kind of split the difference because like you said i'm looking more for the trends than an exact numerical value yeah that's perfect very cool very cool well talk to me about the future of nutrisense like where where you want to go with things how are you gonna to market this i mean i i don't want to sound like i'm like this is not a a a sponsored podcast by any means but like i said I, i truly do value the information i'm getting from the cgm so any any light I can shed on the topic for any, anybody listening uh, will be good. So like, what what's the plan going forward? Yeah, we're we're making huge improvements to our software to just integrate with more data, and so you can correlate and see all these different factors. I kind of I like to explain glucose as a vital sign. So it's not just something that is a risk for diabetes, it tells you all these things about your body. So it's telling you, like I said, you know, your sleep, your stress, your physical activity levels, your how your muscle responses are doing, what your food choices are doing. So we're trying to pull in all this different data. So nutrition information, macros, 
sleep information so that it's all there in one place and can be correlated together so that you can start making sense of all these different facets of your life. So right now we wear one device for our sleep. We wear another device for our exercise and, you know, another thing to match your ketones. And we, our goal is really to have that all in one place so you can optimize your metabolic health in one setting and then have that expert advice right there. So then we're also, along with that, we want to make it easy for you to order other types of lab values straight from our app and really make it easier to take control of your health and not have to go through the traditional health system if you don't want to. So within the app, you can order a fasting insulin level and compare that to how your glucose is doing or whatever information you might want to know. So those are some things in the pipeline right now that we're really working towards. Very nice. I think, like, I don't know, as soon as I realized that I could actually order tests outside of having to go to the doctor, I, I can't tell you the last time I sat in a doctor's <laughs> office. Like, that, that is just the biggest headache and the biggest inconvenience. Like, being able to take your health into your own hands is where it's at, for sure. That's definitely a game changer. Is there a way, like, the Precision uh, Extra, I believe, measures both ketones and glucose. Is that something that can be retrofitted into a, a CGM so that you're getting consistent data throughout the course of a day for ketones as well or is that not on the pipeline you mean is there a way to be able to pull that ketone data into the app yes yeah so what we're trying to do is there are some measurements some ketone monitors that allow you to sync with HealthKit in, in Apple and in the iPhone. Mm -hmm. And then anything that syncs in HealthKit, then we can pull into our app. And so we're working on a way to get, you know, different API access and different things connected so that we can have those there. We definitely want to correlate ketones in some way, you know, on a easiest level, we can add ketones where it's just, you can, graph it against your glucose and compare the graphs and then you know you can chart it against each other and see them together so you might have to manually input that for now but we're definitely working on making that as easy as possible because a lot of people are interested in comparing those of course um, a lot of our customers follow keto diet or cycle on and off and so that's a huge ask so we're definitely working on making that as easy as possible to compare the two values is there any way to like the the CGM itself to to gather that data? Because like the I think with the Precision Extra, you have to use a different style strip for the ketones, and then a different and then another strip for the glucose. But is there any way to have like that single uh, continuous prick be able to measure both, or is that not in the technology yeah. yet? That technology unfortunately doesn't exist right now. That would be awesome. Again, I would love to continuously measure everything, like also my triglycerides and all these other data. So it would be awesome. But right now, yeah, they use two totally different enzymatic reactions. So it's not within one same test. Like you said, the, the meter you use, it has two different strips because they're two totally different tests. Gotcha. So there's no continuous ketone monitor right now, but um, we'll be the first to know and we'll definitely integrate it if that technology becomes available. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Are you familiar with uh, Heads Up Health? I am not. Heads Up Health is a company that, that basically um, curates a lot of this data together. You can kind of sync it across multiple platforms, but I would definitely reach out to them. I, I'm good friends with the owner, but they they have a system that would be worth syncing with for sure. So I would, like I said, definitely look them up. Awesome, I will. 
so where can people go to find out more about NutriSense, get involved, get a pair themselves and start getting some data? Yeah, you can follow us on NutriSense.io and Instagram just to learn more. We're putting out information about health. And then to sign up and get a CGM yourself, you just go to NutriSense.io and register on our website and we'll get you hooked up with a CGM. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to see the data coming in. I, like I said, I've been tracking mine. Uh, I think I started tracking about a month ago, but it was cool because I started tracking about a month out from a contest prep. Uh, and then now I'm tracking going into the reverse diet so I can kind of see how my body's responded at the very end of a caloric deficit. And then now that I'm increasing calories and it's just interesting to see the change and fluctuations in glucose, ketones. And a lot of people don't even care about this information, but if, if you do, if you are one of those biohackers or just involved in that kind of space, then it's, it's incredibly telling information. Definitely. And one thing I'm, I'm obsessed with wearing them, of course, and I never want to take one off. And a big thing for me is it just drives behavior change. Having that thing on me is an accountability partner. I've had one of our customers call it their truth meter. And so they're like, I can't lie when the data's right there. So the reason I keep mine on all the time is because it helps me stay on track with my goals. It keeps me accountable. So that's a huge factor that I absolutely love about it. Yeah, I mean, if you stop and think about it, like the psychological aspect of adhering to any type of nutritional protocol is probably the biggest pillar of adherence. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people hire a coach, not because they need to know the information, but because they need that accountability factor. So, I mean, a CGM is not cheap. It's not going to break the bank, but it's cheaper than most coaches out there for sure. Um, so from an accountability standpoint alone, like that, that's pretty valuable. Yes, absolutely. It's super motivating for a lot of people because normally there's this huge time gap between the behaviors you're trying to do and the benefit or the consequence down the road. So eating the cake tonight is not going to see, you know, the a negative effect for 10, 20 years. But when you see it right then and there in your data, it's like, okay, I don't want to do that. It's not worth it. Yeah, 100%. Having, having some real-time feedback is so incredibly valuable. And I feel like we live in this day and age where people demand real-time feedback, like they don't have this patience aspect anymore, and being able to see the negative impact of your dietary decisions and positive impact too uh, right. goes both ways. You know that that's that's advantageous without a doubt. Yes, a hundred percent. Well, Karen, I certainly do appreciate it. I've learned a ton as I expected I would, and I'm excited to keep wearing this thing. So definitely let's keep in touch and uh, let me know of any, any new and exciting things you have coming in the pipeline. I will. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Take care.